Blog Talk Radio.
Jesus Christ, which is our Christian hope. And eternal life is built through him. And Christ with us is the hope of glory. The benediction he wrote is of grace and peace from God our Father. But in these two epistles, to Timothy and Titus, it is grace, mercy, and peace. Because ministers need more mercy and more grace to perform their duties faithfully and to pardon what's wrongly within us. And since Timothy was a minister, he needed the mercy of God's increase and its continuance of it. Paul referred to Timothy as his own son because he had played a part in his conversion because he had been like a son that served with him the gospel. Timothy was very young when he came into the ministry. So Paul asked Timothy, which he could have commanded him, to stay behind at Ephesus while he leaves and to work with the people in the church and saying that only the doctrine of Jesus Christ was taught among the people. Because once again, there were those who were trying to change the word or add on to the word of God in the church. And if they were in the church, they were in the community. So Timothy was going to need God's mercy, grace, and protection keeping the church in order. So Timothy stayed behind, which wasn't his desire to stay. Timothy wanted to go elsewhere, or he wanted to stay with Paul. But anyway, he stayed in Ephesus as an not as an apostle, a bishop, but as an evangelist. He was there temporarily. As our works are usually temporarily here and there, wherever God sends us. Timothy's business was to fix the ministers and the people of the church because the Jews were in that church about Judaism into Christianity and the Gentiles in that church about paganism into Christianity. So Paul tells Timothy to take heed of these things. And he says to watch against them or they will be corrupting and ruining of religion among you because they minister Christians rather than edifying God. And he tells Timothy that godly edifying must be in foundation on which we build our faith. And it must be in the same way and by the same principles of faith that we must edify God. And Paul tells Timothy that ministers should avoid as much as possible occasional disputes and that he would do well to just insist on the point of religion, which there is no dispute because it's the word of God. Because even disputes about great and necessary truths draws the mind from the main thoughts of Christianity to 
and obedience in the ministry in verses 5 through 11. Third apostle is still instructing Timothy again on how to guard himself against utilizing teachers and others who would mingle fable genealogies uh, with the gospel by showing both the use of the law and the glory of the gospel. And Paul starts by saying, love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans 13 and 10. And he says that the main purpose of the divine law is to love God and one another. And whatever weakens our love to God or our love to our brethren tends to defeat the end of the commandment. Romans 13 and 8. Because if we love one another, he says, all men will know that you are my disciples. But those who boast their knowledge of the law and set up teachers of the law set up vain jangling. And they pretend to teach others what they don't understand, but they use it for disturbance and dividing the church and distracting it and defeating what was the very end of the commandment. And that is to love of a pure heart. A heart purified by love and a heart purified by faith and not from corruption. And in order to keep up holy love, our hearts must be cleansed from the love of sin. For our love must arise out of a good conscience. And Paul gives him three and us two exorcists. One, he says, that a pure heart must be seated in us and take its rise. And number two, he says, we must have a good conscience, exercise daily. And number three, that faith must also accompany love with the same nature of being genuine and sincere. And Paul tells Timothy, when people, especially ministers, serve from the law of charity, that they will set aside vain dangling, especially in religion because it's vain, unprofitable, and useless to all this good. Paul says, those who deal much in vain dangling desires the office of teaching, but they don't understand and neither what they're saying about are such learned ignorance somehow be edified their readers very much. I agree with Paul here because when people decide I'm going to church, they do want to hold offices, but they don't know or understand the word giving out false information. An example of this. In new members' class, this person told us that when we fast, we can stop smoking cigarettes for a while as a fast or don't watch TV or stop eating sweets for a while, that we didn't have to abstain from food. When I told her what the Bible said, 
Another example is those who know and understand the Bible but don't live by it and neither its charity a part of their lives. They're good about receiving, but they never give. God says it's better to give than to receive. Most churches today require you to take classes before you teach. And one thing for sure, if you make yourself a minister of God and God didn't call you, God will surely step you down. A preacher say it once as I was sitting in the congregation. And he was looking at me. And he said that it's better to be asked into the pulpit to leave the pulpit. The point I'm making is we can't jangle God's words or add on or take away from it. It's a very serious thing to play with God's words. Therefore, we must not think to set the law aside, but to use it lawfully for the restraint of sin. It's not made for a righteous man or those who observe it. For if we could keep the law, righteousness would be by the law. But the law is made for wicked people to restrain them to sin. Because it is the grace of God that changes men's hearts. And Paul flips the script of love to the glorious gospel of the blessed God. And Paul says, let us learn to call God blessed God. And call the gospel the glorious gospel for what it is. Because much of the glory of God appears in the works of creation and providence, but there is much more in the gospel when it shines in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul reckons honor and a favor done to him that this glorious gospel was committed to his trust and salvation in the gospel of Christ is God's own work, but the publishing of it to the world is committed to the apostles and the ministers. The ministry is an office of trust as well as power. And for this reason, ministers are called stewards. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 1, a glorious trust because the gospel committed to them is a glorious gospel. In the trust of great importance, and God's glory is very much concerned in. In verses 12 through 17, there is the apostle gives this group again, and he returns thanks to Jesus Christ for putting him into the ministry. And he says that it is Christ's work to put men into the ministry. Ministers, properly speaking, cannot make themselves ministers. For this is Christ's work as king and head and prophet and teacher of the church. And those whom 
trustworthy servants, and we ought to be so having so great a trust committed to them. A call to the ministry is a great favor for which those who are called ought to give thanks to Jesus Christ. Thank Jesus Christ who put me into the ministry. And he goes on and gives an account of his conversion and what he was before his conversion, how he stirred up chaos in the churches in Acts 8 and 3. And he says that he was a blasphemer of God, a prosecutor of saints, an injurious to both. Observe here, number one, blaspheming, persecution, and injuring of very great and hideous sins. And those who are guilty of being God is immediately and directly to strike at God and to persecute his people is to warn him. What we do in ignorance is a less crime than what we do knowingly. The other sin of ignorance is still sin. For he knew not his master's will, but he did commit things worthy of strikes, and he shall be beaten with the first strike. For these reasons, all the pertained mercy through ignorance and unbelief. It's one thing to know God's word. No, it's one thing to know God's word and to do wrong than not knowing the word of God and doing wrong. It's a true saying that Jesus Christ came to the world as the Son of God and took upon him our nature, which was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. He came in the world not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance, which is in Matthew 19 and 13. His job in the world to seek and find those that were lost and to be saved. Luke 19 and 10. He gives glory to God, having spoken of the mercy he had found with God. And he couldn't go on with his letter without inserting a thankful acknowledgement of God's goodness to him, which read, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us observe first that grace is a comfort of God and it must have the glory of it. Those who are sensible for their obligations to the mercy and the grace of God will have their hearts enlarged in his praises. Secondly, he says, when we have found God, we must not forget to pronounce him great. This kind thought of us must not at all abide our high thoughts of him, but rather increase them. God's 
gracious billows with the sun. They fill us with admiration of his glorious attributes. He is eternal without beginning or days of ending or life or change of time. He's immortal, for he cannot die. He's invisible, for he can't even be seen with mortal eyes. He is the only wise God. He is wise and the foundation of all wisdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, or let us forever employ in giving honor and glory to him as thousands and thousands in Revelations 12 through 17. Verses 18 through 20, which is closing the chapter. Now he just discussed again. And here's the charge that he gives Timothy in verse 18. And the charge was to proceed in his work with resolution. The gospel is a charge committed to the minister's trust of my great father, God. It seems that there had been prophecies before concerning Timothy that he should take into the work of the ministry. And this encouraged Paul to commit this charge to him. He told Timothy that the ministry is a good warfare against sin and Satan under the banner of Jesus Christ, who is the captain of our salvation in Hebrews 2 and 10. And that ministers must war with good warfare and must keep their office diligently and courageously, notwithstanding opposition and discouragement. And he said that we must hold faith and a good conscience in verse 19. And those without a good conscience would so make a wretched of faith. And he says, let us live up to having a renewed conscience, not of sin, but preserving us in faith. And he specifies a minimum Alexander, who made profession of the Christian religion, but quit that profession. Paul delivered them to Satan, declaring that they belonged to the terrified or tormented by Satan, that they would learn not to blaspheme, not contradict the doctrine of Christ and the good ways of our Lord. And Paul said, and ends with, those who love the service and work of Satan are justly delivered over to the power of Satan, who I have delivered over to Satan. Hermenemus and Alexander, who were delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Those who have put away a good conscience and made a shepherd a ship will not stick at anything. Therefore, let us hold on to faith and a good conscience and keep clear 
Thank you.